No, this morning I, I'm excited to kind of wrap up our, our missions month, as I mentioned earlier this morning. And so um, this morning's message uh, is entitled Outcast, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. But throughout this month, we focused on different areas of missions. The first week, uh, as I said, our missions team shared about the LA Dream Center, and so that was kind of a U.S. missions focus. Um, we, we talked about what happened at the LA Dream Center and shared about that experience. Two weeks ago was more of a global missions focus when Julie Boone shared about um, what she's going to be doing when she goes off to Chile here in the beginning of 2019. She's going to be working on the university campus there in Chile and, and training up university students and working with them and helping um, to reach them and the campuses there. And, Last week, we had Paul Herkman, a venture, who shared about biblical justice or, or social justice issues and, and some about what they're doing um, in Nepal and India and different areas, as well as um, talking about, you know, how through biking, hiking, and running, um, they're making a difference all around the world. And so, kind of hit some different aspects of, of, of missions in that sense. And, and today, I kind of want to talk a little bit about this idea of local missions and we've been our theme throughout the whole month has been reaching out so others may hear reaching out so others may hear right which that's the heartbeat of the gospel reaching out so others may hear that's the heartbeat of our vision to reach the lost through the empowering equipping and enabling of believers through the holy spirit right that's what it's all about jesus said i came to seek and save the lost that's what jesus came to do and if that's what jesus came to do that's what you and I ought to be trying to do. And so we're going to keep in mind with that theme today of reaching the lost with the idea of, of, of the outcast. That's, that's our, our title for this morning. And so I want to start this morning by sharing a quick survey that I came across when I was doing some research for my message this morning. And so some of you might know there's a faith-based group called the Barna Group. They do a lot of different research when it comes to Christian organizations or just surveys about um, Christian faith. And so they were recently writing a book called Good Faith uh, in 2016. And so this research is, is still quite relevant. Uh, and one of the questions that they asked when they were preparing for this book and all of the answers to their questions were either I agree or I disagree. And one of the questions that they asked um, was, I enjoy spending time with people who are not like me. I enjoy spending time with people who are not like me. 17% of people said, I agree. Which means, 83% of people said, I disagree. So 17% of people said, I enjoy spending time with people who are not like me. 83% of people said, I don't really care to spend time with people who are not like me. So this got me thinking. Often we hear today, right? It's who you become who you associate yourself with, right? Whoever you hang out with, that's eventually who you become with, become like. Some people say that you are the average of your five closest friends. They say, show me your five closest friends, Put them together, and that's who you're going to become. Or they say, show me a man's friend, and I'll show you what your future looks like. 
And I do believe that there is probably some truth to that. That often we do let the people around us influence us to a certain extent. Um, that we may begin to act like the people that we hang around with. But I think that we have created this understanding that in the church, that people who are not like you, people with whom you maybe do not share the same beliefs or some of the same ideals with, will corrupt you if you spend time with them. That if someone simply has a different belief or someone has different ideals or different likes than you, that that person is going to somehow automatically corrupt you and change you into who they are. As Christians, Scripture says that we are called to love all people. All people. And actually says that we are called to love our enemies, right? Typically our enemies are those who have different ideas, different beliefs, different likes than we do. The problem is, is that if we have turned it into, well, I, if I can't say anything bad about people, or I can't say anything bad about someone if, I never, if I'm never around them. So if I, if I just never associate with a group of people, then I can't say anything bad about them. Well, it doesn't really work like that. Not showing hate or not being unfriendly to someone is not the same as showing love to somebody. Right? That, that's, not, that's not the same. That's not equivalent. Now more than ever, it's so easy to avoid and ignore people who think differently than you do, look differently than you do, act differently than you do, and see the world differently than you do. If you want to block out a certain group of people, it's easy to do. We, we, we can do it without any problems anymore today. So as Christians... 83% of people saying that they do not enjoy spending time with people who are not like them should catch our attention. This should stick out to us. And I want to present a change in a way of thinking because some of us may be missing out on a fundamental truth of the gospel this morning. When Jesus came onto the scene and began his ministry and his teaching, did he make everybody happy? No. He actually frustrated a lot of people, right? He made a lot of people mad. He made them uncomfortable. Why? Because Jesus began to start hanging around people who were not like him, who were not like the other religious leaders of the day, who were not like those who were considered quote-unquote followers of the law or those who were the right people. Most notably, the Pharisees or the other religious leaders of the day. And all you have to do is read through the Gospels. And there's a number of stories where we read about how upset they became with Jesus and the people that he was hanging out with. And this morning we're going to focus on one story from Mark chapter 2. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn, you can feel free to turn to Mark chapter 2. Otherwise, as always, it'll be on the screen behind me as well. But we're going to look at a story from very early on in the ministry of Jesus. Where they become frustrated with him and the people that he's surrounding himself with. Because they don't think that this is who Jesus should be ministering to. They don't think these are the kind of people Jesus should be hanging around with. Jesus had begun to establish a following of people. And as he was traveling, he would teach the crowds. And the people were starting to come from all different directions. They were starting to come from all over the place 
to hear from him in his teachings and to see what it was that all, who Jesus was and what all this, this hoopla was about that they were hearing about Jesus. So we're going to start in verse 13 of Mark chapter 2. It says, Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. And now I want to I pause for a moment and read verse 15 from another translation, from the English Standard Version, because I just like the way that this version says it as well. So verse 15 from the English Standard Version says, And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now to verse 16. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? Why does he eat with such scum? So that's what the religious leaders, the Pharisees, those who are quote-unquote the top of, of the church in that day, asked about Jesus eating with Levi and the other tax collectors. Before we move any further, it's important to present two pieces of information. First of all, as I mentioned, Levi is a tax collector, right? And those are, in that day and age, some of the most hated people. Because the tax collectors, uh, they cheated people out of their money, right? They were, they were categorized as thieves, rejects, stealers, crooks, liars, and cheaters. Pe nobody liked a tax collector in that day. I mean, I don't think many people still care for the IRS today. But... Still, today, they're much more fair than they were back in that day. Tax collectors got their hands on all kinds of stuff they, didn't, they, they shouldn't have. He was despised and rejected by the religious people of his time. Scripture tells us that Jesus was attending a dinner party at Levi's house, and there were other, several other tax collectors and other sinners who were there as well. So whatever you need to picture in your own mind of the worst of the worst, this is who Jesus was spending his time with in this story, right? So this is where you go. So how does this apply to us today? Well, whoever you would go, okay, when I think of Chisholm, when I think of the Iron Range, when I think of the worst of the worst, this is who Jesus is sitting down and having dinner with right now. The worst of the worst of Chisholm, of the Iron Range. Jesus is sitting down and having dinner dinner with them at their house. Because that's what Jesus would do today. Jesus wouldn't necessarily come. Yes, if we invited him, Jesus may come to our house and have dinner. But if anyone else would invite Jesus to come to their house, Jesus would go to their house and have dinner as well. That's one way that this story applies to us. Another thing we need to understand is the way that the religious leaders operated. Their action plan was based on the Jewish law, and they functioned based off of this principle. If you associate with the unclean, they are going to contaminate you and make you unclean. 
And there are many Christians today that unfortunately still operate in this way in one form or another. They believe that if you associate with the unclean, you become unclean. And this is a form of legalism and, and regulations of an old way of thinking that says that God is only for those who appear to have their act 100% together. And that's an old way of thinking. That, that, that's not what scripture teaches us. Let, let's look at verse 17 to see how Jesus responds to the Pharisees. This is what Jesus says. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I, did, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Here's the bottom line. Jesus came to the earth for those who are nothing like him. Jesus came for those who are nothing like him. I don't think that this was just because he enjoyed it, but also because he was presenting a new way of thinking, a new idea of how to think outside of the box, showing that followers of him will be marked by a change when it comes to relationships and caring for people who are different than themselves. He showed that no one is a stranger or an outcast to his love. There's no one that is outside of the love of Jesus, outside of the love of God. Jesus is much more concerned for those who are open and honest about their condition, about their failures, about their decisions, rather than those who choose to act like they're perfect and have it all together. Jesus wants a genuine heart. He wants a sincere heart. He doesn't want a facade. He doesn't want to act. He wants a real person. I've got an illustration that I want to share with you. There, there was a lady... Uh, a number of, a few years ago who, who just, she wanted to make an impact in her neighborhood and she didn't really know how and she just got this idea one day that she just felt like I just need to buy a picnic table and put it in my front yard and, and I want to show you a video and you're going to see from here what happened so Steve go ahead and show this video I really did. I really thought my calling would be international, and I never, never in a million years thought that the Lord would ask me to walk outside of my door in the mission field where I live and get to know my neighbors. I'm Kristen Schell, and I live in Austin, Texas. I am a wife and a mother of four children. Any given day, I am in the kitchen or in the minivan. I am active in the kids' school. I'm a writer, and I volunteer at church. We've been in this neighborhood um, almost 10 years. I always knew we were supposed to love our neighbors because that's the great commandment. But how you live that out day to day is hard, um, especially when you don't know your neighbors, which is the situation I was in. I did not know my neighbors. Sure, I knew you know a handful of them, and so there was this huge questioning, what do you want me to do, Lord? Here I am, Lord. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to walk across the street and bang on doors? Do you want me to take cookies? What do you want me to do, Lord? God answers prayers in really winsome ways. I was hosting a party with a friend in our backyard, 
and I didn't have any tables. And so I ordered a picnic table from Lowe's. And when it arrived two days later, I knew. I knew that for the purposes of the party, I was gonna have it in my backyard. But as soon as that party was over, I was moving that table in the front yard and it was gonna be a gathering place. And so I painted it turquoise, which is my favorite color. And I did, I put it outside underneath the tree in the front yard. It was awkward at first. So I have this table, it's bright turquoise, it's sitting in the front yard, and now I'm like, well, now what do I do? So I took a whole bunch of stuff out with me. I took my phone and my journal and my computer, and I even um, I had some art stuff that I was working on, because, you know, I needed to look like I was just doing something. By going out front, I was saying to God, here I am, Lord, your will be done. Go before, behind, and beside me into the neighborhood. And that very day, life changed. And I met a neighbor within three hours of putting a table out in my front yard. A lot has happened since putting the table out there. There are a handful of women who are now very close friends who I did not know. It has become kind of a gathering place. Hi, Bob. Nice this is my daughter, Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the best things is just the sense of normal community, everyday life. The neighborhood kids come over. They'll do homework when the weather's pretty. We've had lemonade stands, hot cocoa stands. More intimately, um, it's a place where I can meet and have met neighbors um, who now pop by with coffee and just for 15 minutes, a cup, you go conversation over coffee that wouldn't have happened. The Lord has taught me and I am learning to be present. And that, it sounds like it should be a no-brainer, but listening is not a skill that came naturally at first to me, nor was being present. It's great to see you. Loving my neighbors has taught me how to love God better. It's drawn me into deeper relationship with Him. You don't need permission or a program to go outside and be who Christ has called you to be. When we open up our front door and we take three steps right out our front yard, good things happen. Open up your door and let God do the rest. That's just one example of someone who just said, no, I don't really know what exactly I'm supposed to do, but I just feel like God is calling me to somehow reach out to my community, to somehow reach my neighbors. And it started by throwing a, a, a community barbecue, and then it turned into, I'm just going to throw my picnic table in the front yard, and I'm going to sit outside, and we're just going to see what happens and it turned into a gathering place where people come and relationships have formed. And life is different in that community in Austin, Texas now as a result of what happens around that blue turquoise picnic table. Um, and, and it seems simple and it seems silly, but the reality is, is there are people in that neighborhood that were outcast to one another, that are no longer outcast to each other. They're friends, they're neighbors, they're community, their family, 
to one another at this point as a result of someone being willing to step out and say, you know what, they're different than me, they might have different beliefs, they might think differently than I do, but I'm willing to step out of my comfort zone as I feel God asking me to and just see where this leads. There's something about spending time and reclining with people who may not be like you that marks us as changed people. I think there are two ways to go from here when it comes to our perspective of people. We can go the route of the Pharisees who represent legalism, rules, and regulation, or we can go the way of Jesus who represents the kingdom of God, a kingdom or a, a changed way of thinking, lifestyle, and an application marked by grace. And so I want us to look at three different views that differ when it comes to people, when it comes to our view of people. The first one, avoid sinners versus reclining with sinners. This is looking at the, the mindset of Pharisees versus Jesus' mindset. Avoiding sinners versus reclining with sinners. The Pharisees said, other people will bring you down. Jesus said, accept the outcasts and the sinners. Jesus understood that reclining and accepting go hand in hand. Jesus wasn't defending the Bible here or arguing with the outcasts. He wasn't trying to win them over with the debate or with clever words. He was simply eating and relaxing with them. He was living life with them. He was sharing himself with them. Jesus was and still is about establishing relationship with others where they get to see, see the real honest version of who he is. Jesus was all about being transparent about who he is. And he still is in the business of being transparent about who he is. I use that term all the time. I just want to share life with you. I want to live life with you. Because I believe that as we live life with each other, we get to know who we are. And that's the same with, with those outside of the church, those who we don't know, those who have different views than us. As we live life with them, we get to know who each other are. We get to share with each other. That's what Jesus was doing. The second thought, the kingdom is exclusive, the Pharisees would say. Jesus says, no, the kingdom is inclusive. The kingdom is for everyone. The Pharisees say that only the best and those that follow the rules get into God's kingdom. Jesus says, no. Everyone has an opportunity to enter into the kingdom. Jesus said that no one is exempt from the love and the grace of God. That your past does not define you, and that your decisions are not who you are. Jesus challenges our understanding of the kingdom here by showing that it's actually okay for the sick and the sinners and the outcasts to come to him. These are the people here he came to save because they are in need of hope and redemption. Jesus said, I'm not interested in catering to the spiritually fit as he is in reclining with the sinful in the disreputable guests. Everyone is welcome. There's a spot for everyone at the table with Jesus. Third, sinners make you unclean versus Jesus makes sinners clean. The Pharisees will say, watch out, they're going to contaminate you. Jesus said, I will shower them with love and grace. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can make others clean through him rather than being made unclean by sinners. 
This is the defensive mode of the Pharisees combated, combated by the offensive mode of grace from Jesus. Jesus is not affected by the lifestyles of sinners because he knows who he is and what he is, what he came to earth to do. This gives us confidence to live in the midst of many people who need hope and restoration. Right? Scripture says that we live in the world, but we're not of the world. Right? We know where our eternal home is. We know where our destiny lies with him in heaven for those who choose to believe in him. Jesus loved people who were nothing like him. He came for those who were nothing like him. So what are you and I called to do? We're called to love those who are nothing like us. We're called to spend time with those who are nothing like us. So that statistic that says that 83% of people do not want to spend time with people who are nothing like us. We need to break that trend. We need to be counter to what culture tells us. We need to be willing to step out of our comfort zone and say, you know what? Maybe the, 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 the people that we see as outcasts of Chisholm and outcasts of the Iron Range, it doesn't matter what culture tells us. It doesn't matter if culture tells us that they're too far gone. It doesn't matter if culture tells us that they're lost. They're not lost. That's what the Pharisees would tell us. That's what legalism would tell us. That's what the rules would tell us. Grace and mercy say, no, they're not. Jesus says all are welcome. Jesus says there's a place at the table for them right next to me. And we have the opportunity to welcome them in. It's our job to go, to step outside and say, you know what? You and I might not see everything the same way, but I want to get to know you. I want to live life with you, and I just want to share a conversation with you. And as we get to know each other, we share life. You get to have those conversations. And through that, you plant seeds. The Holy Spirit comes and works. And who knows what can happen at that point. God takes care of the rest of it. Our job is to be obedient. Our job is to step out in faith. Our job is to put the picnic table in the front yard. God draws the people in. Our job is to reach out to put ourselves out there and to say, we're done setting people outside and saying they're outcasts and saying, no, you're welcome. You're here. One last thought I want to leave us with today. About a month ago, Chris Pruitt was here and he, he presented us with this question from a book he recently read. And it was, it was this question. It said, have you forgotten what it felt like to be lost? Have you forgotten what it felt like to be lost? Have you forgotten that loneliness, the isolation that it felt like before you knew Jesus? Sometimes I think we forget that feeling. We, we forget what it felt like before we knew Jesus. But sometimes when, when we, we can think about that and we remember, you know what? That was difficult. Those were hard times. And then we think, you know what? Those who don't know Jesus, that's the hopelessness that they're living in. That's the hurt that they find themselves in right now. 
We need to share the hope that, that can be found through Jesus, that they can, they can find hope, they can find community, they can find family through Jesus once again. We have the ability to reach out to them with the gospel and welcome them in, that they no longer need to feel like outcasts, but that they can feel a part of a family, feel a part of a community, feel a part of a family once again. That's our job. Say, you know what? We might have differences. We might look at things differently. But I still want to get to know you. I still want to befriend you. I still want to welcome you into the family. Real quickly before we we finish up this morning. As I mentioned, when you came in this morning, each of you had a pledge card that was inside of your your bulletin. This morning is the last morning that we're going to receive our pledge card as part of our pledge drive for our missions for 2019. And so uh, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know what these are. If this is your first Sunday, that's okay. Uh, Each year in October, we receive pledge cards So that way we know in 2019 what we have um, as far as pledges go for our missions. So we know what we can support for missionaries in 2019. Um, And on this card, there's a couple options. First option says, I want to regularly support our missionaries with a pledge of X amount of dollars per week or month. You can circle um, whichever option you would like on there. The second option says, um, I want to give a one-time gift to missions in the amount of X and then and I will give on blank date. Third option says, for now I will keep this card as a reminder to pray often for this church and its missions effort. Um, so those are the three options that you have on there. We currently support 25 missionaries and organizations uh, that total up to $805 a month. That's what our monthly missions budget is right now. Uh, as, as of the last couple of weeks, what we've received in pledges so far is $651. And so if you do the math right now, we're about $154 short to reach our current uh, missions monthly budget for 2019. Um, and as I mentioned, our goal is to take on two new missionaries in 2019, which would raise our budget to $865 a month, which means we're about $214 short of what that goal would be. Um, for our monthly missions pledges. And so um, if you don't have a missions pledge card and you would like one, um, please place your hand up in the air and we'll get one to you quickly. Otherwise, um, I'm just going to pray quickly and then uh, if you have one and you would like to turn that in, um, our ushers will receive those in just a moment. And so, Father, we just thank you again for this morning. We thank you for... Um, your word, God, that we can look to, God, that says that, that we are to love all people. God, it says that, that we are to love everyone, even those, God, who see things differently. God, those who have different beliefs. God, you, you came and you set the example for us, that, God, we are to love everyone. And so, Lord, I pray today that as we've been challenged with this, God, that you would help us to truly take that to heart. And, God, that if our thinking has been different than that, God, that we would, we would change our thinking and, and, and look at it differently, God, and say, there are, there are, there's no one that's outside of your love. There's no one that's outside of the scope of your grace and mercy. 
God, that there are no outcasts when it comes to the gospel. That, God, that we would begin to look at it as inclusive. God, that all are welcome. And not only would we believe that, but, God, that we would act on that. God, that we would begin to, to go out of our comfort zone, God, and be obedient to what you're asking us to, God. To step out and, and say, who is it in, in Chisholm and around the Iron Range that, that you're wanting us to reach as a church and as individuals, as families, God? Who is it that you're placing in our path, God, for us to reach and to minister to? And so, God, I just pray you'd be with us and, and minister and, and share with us in that way. God, I pray for our, our missions offering, God, and our pledges, God. I pray you just continue to, to speak to us as far as what it is you want us to give. And God, I pray that as we step out in faith and, and believe, God, for, for what it is you're wanting us to give in 2019, I pray you continue to, to strengthen us in our faith, God, and trust that you will provide what it is, God, that you have said um, that you want us to give. And we just thank you for that. And so, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to partner with our missionaries, and we thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So.